there's been an awakening. Can you feel it? They've doubted us for 20 years. You've never heard of our players. We're just too young to win. This model doesn't bring trophies. Dallas, are the 2016 Lamar Hunt U.S. Open Cup winners. They have done it. FC Dallas have won the MLS Supporter Shield. Do we have your attention? In 2017, we defend together, attack with furious speed, and strike with authority. We sing it, we feel it, we live it deep in the heart. Welcome to FCD Talk. Man, it's been a minute, but we are back. What's going on, Preston? Doing good, man. Uh, I just got done watching The Shining for the first time, and I hope that the nightmares I get from this won't be as bad as uh, <laughs> the Vancouver one a few days ago. Oh, my God. Well, we got a lot to get to, a lot to talk about. Finally, finally, Kristen Coleman gets a brace. We'll talk about that. Oh. Also got the Vancouver loss. Talk about that. Uh, we'll talk about the game coming up against Philly. Also, there's a lot of other news and notes. So, definitely got a lot to get to. A lot has happened since the last time we have talked FC Dallas fans. So, let's uh, I guess talk about the the CONCACAF first um with the trio of FC Dallas players getting into that uh game and they won the Gold Cup. So, congratulations in that respect. Kellen Acosta, Matt Hedges, Jesse Gonzalez were available uh, off the bench. Uh, well, actually, Kelly, Kellen Acosta started, and uh, Matt Hedges and Jesse Gonzalez were off the bench. But what does that win mean to for this U.S. men's national team? Uh, yeah, for me, uh, I'd say that the win is it's a it's a confidence booster for these younger players. Uh, a good a good portion of the roster was younger players who are trying to break into the team and uh, getting that, getting that gold medal and getting that trophy is always a good confidence booster for, uh, for some players it might be their first trophy ever. So at a, at a professional stage. So that's always good for them. Uh, aside from that, looking at the United States men's national team, uh, it puts them in a good spot for the 2021 Confederations cup. So the way that CONCACAF is set up is that, uh, for some reason, our Continental Tournament is played every two years instead of every four years. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think only the African Cup, the only the African Cup nation, Cup of Nations is the only one uh, that has us ha, that has their tournament every two years. So the way that it's set up for CONCACAF is that um, the two winners. Uh, both the Gold Cups, so it'd be 2017 and 2019, uh, will play in some sort of a playoff to 
see who will get that that uh, Confederations Cup spot. Unless the United States win 2019 as well, then that playoff won't be necessary. So it just puts them in a spot to potentially get into the Confederations Cup. Yeah, and I think, like I mentioned, it's great to have FC Dallas represented. Uh, and it was very exciting to see them there. And that kind of leads me into the next thing I wanted to kind of touch on. Kellen Acosta is linked to some transfer rumors, which has been coming out. And I think with his play and his ability, his uh, play and his ability to get to this point in his career and to also be playing for the U.S. men's national team makes it interesting that he could go somewhere. Uh, what's your thoughts on Kellen Acosta leaving or staying? You know, I'm torn on it because obviously as a club that that prides himself on building their youth and uh, creating stars internally, uh, you want to see your players go to Europe and have successful careers. Uh, I mean, that's why, like, that's why there's a little bit of heartbreak whenever Weston McKinney went to Schalke because he never had a chance to break into the first team. Uh, so there's there's a little bit of a mixed feelings with it. The two teams that are primarily linked with Kellen are PSV Eindhoven in the Netherlands and SC Copenhagen in Denmark. Um, if it was PSV Eindhoven, I would not have an issue with him going to Europe. Because that is a great stepping stone for him. The Eredivisie is a fairly strong league. I'd say it's a top seven league in Europe. So that would get him some good experience, a good, easy transition into the European stage. They're in the Champions League. Uh, it would get him that kind of that give him that kind of experience that he would need in order to be a consistent starter in the national team. If it was FC Copenhagen, honestly, I I see the Danish league as weaker than the MLS. So I think it would be a step down for him. So the really the only perk would be that he'd be playing in Europe. And I think they're in the Europa League, which is the second tier tournament in Europe. So he would get a little bit of European experience, but I still believe that overall it'd be a step down for Kellen. Um, that That is whether... It's, it's not a matter of if he's leaving. It's going to be a matter of when he's leaving. Uh, there's talk of him leaving this summer. Uh, that could that could also end up being a, a sell to a club in Europe this summer and loaning him back for the rest of the season. Or it could be a, just a clean sale in the summer. Or it could be uh, a sale in January uh, whenever the MLS season is over and they're in the winter transfer window for, uh, for the European teams. Or uh, the one that I personally hope for is that he has a strong season in MLS, gets into... Uh, the U.S. national team roster for the World Cup puts on a puts on a decent performance in Europe, has European stronger European teams uh, show interest in him and uh, jump on the Kalina Costa bandwagon after the World Cup because I feel like that he'd get stronger opportunities after he has a World Cup performance. Yeah, and that's that's a great point, and I think you're right. He probably would get even more looks and also be kind of a a definite for what type of division or what type of league he would be going in and 
what you said about the Danish league, I think the only way he would go there, obviously, is for the money. If they're going to pay him more money, um, he may do it, but why do that when you're already with a great club where you're at and maybe you could stick around and, and get established more, like you said, with the with uh, staying on the men's national team and going from there. So, but For sure. This is, this is the great thing about him. We've been talking about the year of Kellen pretty much all year, and I think you want to see – you hate to see him leave, but you want to see him – at his best, you want to see him in the best competition. Uh, that's what I think everybody in this sport, or even in MLS, probably wants at some point in time in their career. Yeah, definitely. And uh, going back to moving to Denmark potentially for the money, if it was going to be a step down from the MLS, uh, according to the MLS Players Union, Kellen Acosta is making about two hundred fifty grand a year on salary alone, not including whatever endorsements he has. So. My my honest opinion, I don't think that if he was going to make more in Denmark, it wouldn't be by much. And not only because they'd be in European competition, that they might be able to give more money. Uh, because Denmark isn't necessarily a thriving league, in my opinion. Um, so it, I, I don't think that he'd be moving for the money if he was going to Denmark. If he was moving, If he was moving for the money, he'd be going to China. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point right there because there's a lot of, you know, I'm going to another sport, but sport, but there's a lot of NBA players that don't make it in the NBA anymore. They end up going to China because China will, will cash you out. So money, money, <laughs> money's flowing in China. All right, so you look at, you know, last week before the Vancouver game, which we'll talk about that that uh, uh, dismal game right there, but. We were at the top of the Western Conference. Everything was looking good. You know, we win the game versus Montreal. Uh, everything is on a high. And then we get to the game against Vancouver, and we're no longer at the top of the Western Conference. So I'm going to delete that from my notes. I had that in there. Uh, this was going to be from last show. But actually, obviously, that's not the same anymore. So we'll move on. Uh, so Montreal. What can we finally say that we've been wanting to say all year? Christiana Coleman gets the first goal, number one. Number two, he gets a second goal, which to me I did not see coming at all. So what more can we say about this guy? He finally broke out of this slump, and I think we're going to see more of that. Um, But as soon as I seen it, my immediate reaction was, I got to text Preston right now. Because we've been talking about this for so long, and he finally breaks it. So I'm, I'm extremely excited for the guy. You know, I was heartbroken that I missed it uh, because I was up in the mountains in New Mexico with no cell service, hardly any Wi-Fi, and I missed Christian Coleman finally break this long-standing drought, this six-month drought of not scoring a goal. And I missed it. So <laughs> that will be, you know, it was, it was very similar to whenever I turned down, turned down Ranger tickets to go to the Vancouver game. And Beltre was very, very close to getting his 3,000th hit. And I was rooting against Beltre to not get 3,000 on a game that I turned down a ticket for. So thankfully, 
Beltre came through and did not get his 3,000 hit. Uh, so I, I'm a little bit bitter towards Coleman for uh, scoring while I was unable to watch the game. Yeah. Yeah, that, <laughs> that was uh, so sorry that you missed that because that was a sight to see. Um, you know, we weren't been waiting so long for this, but most importantly, it's exciting that he finally got there. So congratulations to him. Hopefully we'll continue to see that going forward. Uh, but there was another first pro goal during the, the past couple of weeks, and that was Ja'Cory Hayes. I don't know if you heard about this one, but he scored his first pro goal in, in the second game with the Tulsa Rednecks, Roughnecks, excuse me. So Ja'Cory Hayes is getting in the mix. Uh, I don't know when we'll see him with FC Dallas, but that was a pretty good week uh, in the past couple of weeks there. Winning against Nothing like those old Montreal. <laughs> yeah, so. <laughs> but yeah, that's, that's great for Ja'Cory. Um, obviously, it's at the USL level, but still getting that first professional goal is something that he'll never forget. Um, it always, like, to me, I just want to keep on bringing up the whole, like, lone affiliate thing, just completely hitting the fan. And it's, I find it a little bit funny that Ja'Cory scored for FC Dallas affiliates arch rival. Uh, I, I do find a little bit of irony in that. So, uh, <laughs> good for Ja'Cory. Uh, hope to see more from him. Uh, personally, I think he needs to uh, I think he could definitely benefit for another full season in the USL. Hit the gym probably about twice a day, six days a week. He needs to really bulk up if he's going to be in the NLS. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, yeah, we talked about that on a previous show as well with this affiliation and with them being our rivals. So it's good to see him in the mix, though, getting some opportunities for sure. And uh, getting that first pro goal, even if it's in the uh, the lesser division. Um, but also some some things that went down. We had um, well, let's look at a couple of takeaways from the Montreal game, which you know that's kind of like old news now. But we're gonna go over it anyway. Uh, so Coleman has arrived. The depth shines, and that was with you know not having a couple of players playing, and then also bunker down. So we were able to get the win and focus on the defense. Carlos Sumano and Walker Zimmerman entered the game late, and FC Dallas held less than thirty percent possession over the last twenty minutes, and we still got the win. So that's definitely a positive for that match. And there, there was a lot of positives in that match for sure. Uh, but when they went down, I got a little nervous. I'm going to be honest. Uh, but they ended up pulling it out. So uh, that, was, that was a win that we can definitely put in the win column. For sure. And two points with that. Two completely different points. Uh, first, uh, I want your opinion on this. Hypothetically, if Kellen Acosta does leave this summer, and I have a feeling that Pereja and Clavijo um, might have seen the potential of this, of Kellen leaving uh, at some point this summer. Would we see more play from Carlos Armenio? Because I haven't, like, whenever he has played, he hasn't necessarily done anything wrong, but he's still third choice behind Victor Yola. So if that is the case, Victor Yola would probably take the starter role and Sermenio would be coming off the bench. 
sort of like what Yola does. Right. Yeah, I, I definitely think that's what would happen. I think he would be in a situation where he would be pretty much forced to have to come in uh, when a Yulo comes out or if Yulo goes down for some reason. But I think he might have gained a little bit of uh, a little bit of a little brownie points in that in that last game against Montreal, and maybe he showed something that there could be more possibilities. But yeah, definitely if if Kellen Acosta is going to be gone, we're going to see a lot more Carlos Semenyo for sure. Which I mean, I wouldn't necessarily have a problem with that because I've really enjoyed his play whenever whenever he has played, and I hope that they sign Sermenio on for at least another loan next season because I, I mean I feel bad for the guy because he's on loan for a season and is not getting any play and honestly I don't think it's any of his own doing I think it's just a matter of you have two of the best center midfielders in the league with Carlos Guerrero and Kellen Acosta and Victor Yoa's longtime homegrown player that Pereja has really resurrected and has a lot of faith in him, so it's really unfortunate for Semenyo. It's uh, and I, I think that I think that's why Pray brought him in is because he saw that there is a possibility uh, of Kellen Acosta leaving because there's been so much interest uh, of him over the last six to eight months. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think once you start to progress and once you start to get opportunities, as long as you take advantage of them, as long as you show something, I think he, he'll definitely get some more run and it's going to happen. Uh, like you said, Kellen Acosta, it's only a matter of time. So you look at that that game, uh, that was exciting to see. Now going to the Vancouver game, this was kind of one of the headlines that I noticed. Uh, Ryan's, Ryan Holland's head with five straight starts, starting to find his legs. You know, going to the into the Vancouver game, which they never won, which they've said this like so many different times that they never actually won <laughs> in <laughs> FC Dallas here in Dallas. So that was talked about so much, and I'm sure Vancouver was probably tired of hearing that. But this was very, very lopsided. Uh, something that obviously we're gonna have to put behind us soon and very soon because we got to play Philly at Philly Saturday. So what was your thoughts on this game as a whole? I know you did an article on Big D Soccer talking about how bad this was, uh, but what was kind of your thoughts on the game? Worst game of the season, in my opinion. Um, it's, it's pretty much up there with that Pachuca game because uh, against Pachuca, we were, we were pretty bad for most parts, but I still think that against Pachuca, uh, we played well for about 50 to 60 minutes of the game. Um, again, in the Open Cup quarterfinal against Kansas City, we held our own uh, for pretty much the whole 90 minutes. But whenever you got into the extra time, it was whenever it all hit the fan there. But against Vancouver, Dallas never really found their legs until about the 25th or 30th minutes when they actually, when they're I believe they were already down at that point, and they had to start to fight back. And then, whenever you look at the second half, it just it just went downhill so quickly. Starting with that Kellen Acosta penalty, uh, which was not a penalty in my opinion, 
the the refereeing was some of the worst I've ever seen. I'm sure that we'll touch on that in a little bit. But you can't blame the referee whenever your team plays just absolutely horribly from the attackers all the way back to the goalkeeping. Uh, Gonzalez probably had one of the worst games of his career, in my opinion. Uh, yeah. he, his positioning was horrible. Uh, he should have never let in that fourth goal and that bicycle kick. It went through his legs. And I think that was more so just his confidence was already shot. Um, the Ron Hollingshead had a horrible game. His positioning was just awful. He was tracking back not as often as he should have been. Uh, I believe Atipa Harris was on the right. Uh, he should not have been in the game, in my opinion. It was unfortunate that both Figueroa and Grana were both suspended. Uh, I think that killed a lot of uh, Dallas's wit. Uh, Garezo obviously got that red card, which we'll touch on in a little bit. Um, and really, the only person I could say had a half-decent game was Max Rudy, and that's because of his defensive work rate. Uh, nothing else. We didn't really have many chances at goal. Uh, the team was just not clicking last week, and there was like there's no real chance of coming back to win the game. Yeah, and it was just dreadful to watch. One of those games where you just ready for at the end, you're ready for the game to be over with, so they can just leave and go back home and just be done with it. It was just one of those. You know, horrible losses, especially with it being at home, uh, just makes it even more frustrating. Uh, but like you said, <clears throat> officiating, that was a huge <laughs> issue in this game. Uh, in your article, uh, Toledo is not a very good referee. Also on the Big D Soccer, in what universe is that a penalty? But yeah. again, like you said, you still have to play up to par. Can't blame the whole thing on the ref, but that is a part of it. Yeah, I mean, Toledo, he has a horrible track record, not just in Dallas, but just across the entire league. He always loses control of his games. Whenever he tries to take control of it, it's way too late. Um, tempers were already high after the penalty call, which I'll, I'll read the his response, the way that it is, is that uh, out of all the media that's attending the game, you're put in a pool and whoever is selected uh, gets to ask the referee about a controversial call. Um, this time it was Big D's own Drew Epperly uh, asked, what did you see on the play that resulted in a penalty in the 48th minute? And uh, his response was, although number 23 Acosta did make contact with the ball, he had charged number 12 Montero in a careless manner inside the penalty area and disallowed number 12 an opportunity to play the ball. This warranted a penalty kick. So apparently defending, playing as a defender, warrants a foul and a call for a penalty kick. If you saw the replay, Count Acosta did everything he should have done. It was a 50-50 ball. Callan won it with complete ease and Montero I mean Montero didn't really flop or do much to really provoke a penalty but Toledo saw something and 
called a penalty. And you could see the reactions on all the Dallas players' faces just completely confused on why Toledo called a penalty. Yeah, that, that was just one of those horrible calls that, like you said, the players didn't understand it. We didn't understand it. And it just it just added on to this game and how depressing that it ended up going. Um, yeah, really, really not too much more to say about that. Uh, the game did not turn out obviously how any of us wanted it to turn out. Uh, we've Can we got talk about real quick. Uh, yeah, um, I'm sure that I don't remember if you watched the game live. I know that you were that you weren't able to make it to the game. So you might have been caught up with something, but did you see? Did you see the foul that uh, caused the red card? No, no, I did not. So, uh, at the first look, it looked like that uh, that a red card should not have been called. It would have been even questionable for a yellow uh, because uh, Grezo took on the hip check that the that the Vancouver player did. Uh, which was probably a good t- five or ten feet away from the ball, and they both went to the ground. If anything, the Vancouver player should have been called for that foul, which is why there was a whole lot of confusion at first. But whenever you saw the replay and in slow motion, uh, we saw an angle that we didn't necessarily see from the press box or on or on TV. Uh, but it happened right in front of Toledo after they both went to the ground. Uh, Grezo took an elbow and just slammed into uh, the Vancouver player's face. Um, that I did not see at first. I was completely shocked that Toledo called a red card just completely out of the blue on on the wrong player, uh, first of all. But after seeing that replay, uh, we realized that the card was not for the foul, but it was for the follow-through with the foul and Grezo's reaction. Uh, so a lot of us were completely shocked that Toledo even called that foul in the first place, but uh, whenever, whenever we saw the replay, uh, Toledo gained a little bit more credit with it. So I will give him that, that he did make the right call, and I had to, like, I rescinded all my comments regarding that foul once I, once I saw that replay. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go back and look that up. Uh, I've seen the highlights, but I did not see. I guess I didn't catch that one. But And again, um, another tough one. Uh, and that kind of leads into this game that we're going to be going into against Philly. Some of the consequences from this past game, we're not going to have Grezo or Atiba Harris. So we're not going to have either one of them who's going to be serving their suspensions. So that's going to make this game against Philly even more interesting. And here we go with another stat. The Philadelphia Union are still searching for their first ever win against FC Dallas. So <laughs> we got to go into this game with that on our minds. And Philly has to think about that. Their 0-5-4 record against FC Dallas in the last meeting uh, was on opening day and Dallas picked up a 2 nothing win so this is going to be another game you know there was a notation on uh, Big D Soccer Twitter 
saying his sense of urgency at practice. This was on Wednesday. I think we're going to really see even more of what this team has when you're completely kind of down. I mean, that's, that was a tough that was a tough loss. No, no way to put around it. Uh, but what, what's your thoughts going into this game against Philly? Again, without Atiba Harris, without Carlos Guerrero. You know, um, I think one big boost that that Dallas will have is that Philadelphia will be without their starting goalkeeper, Andre Blake. Uh, he suffered an injury during the CONCACAF Gold, Gold Cup Final. Uh, oddly enough, was uh, was a head-to-head against Kellen Acosta. And Kellen, whenever they were both going for the ball, stepped on Blake's hand and uh, injured it pretty badly. He's out for a few weeks uh, until his hand recovers. Uh, So there's going to be a lot of animosity uh, coming from the Philadelphia fans because Andre Blake is uh, pretty much their prized possession. They really, they love Andre Blake there. I'm a big fan of Blake. I, I felt horrible that he got injured especially in that way and a cup final which was probably one of the probably one of the biggest games of his career uh, so it was uh, it was unfortunate to see that so he's out for a few weeks that's gonna be a big boost for Dallas's attack um, CJ Sapong is well on the other on the other end of the field CJ Sapong is there is their big striker right now he's had breakthrough season uh, really got Philadelphia out of the slump. Uh, so he'll be a player to watch out for. Uh, having Hedges and Zimmerman back, uh, getting that partnership strong again is going to be very important in, stop- in stopping Sapong. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's going to be important right there. And, yeah, you definitely called it. We're going to have another another matchup for Gonzalez. you got Jesse Gonzalez versus John McCarthy. McCarthy, like you said, is going to be filling in for Andre Blake and Gonzalez fresh off the men's national team also that giving up four goals so I I definitely see him bouncing back I think he has the the grit to want to bounce back and to not let that be what what defines him throughout the rest of the season is this one game that he had against Vancouver so I'm looking forward to that I think he's going to come back stronger. Uh, yeah. Again, we're playing in Philadelphia, so it's a, it's an away game. And I think we've seen this in so many different occasions, how FC Dallas and a lot of different MLS teams do not fare well away. Um, but with the backup goalkeeper in, I think we got a pretty good shot. Also, we got Maxi. Uh, who's going to be coming into this game? Eleven goals already, and you know. And, but on the part on the for the Union, uh, they haven't given up a ridiculous amount of goals. Just twenty-seven this year. So this that's going to be a good matchup for for Maxi going up against uh, Gooch. This is what they call him. Um, Ugits, I'm not gonna try to say the last name. I got but you. <laughs> I'm gonna butcher it for sure. But uh, what's your thoughts on Maxi coming into this game, and then also Coleman? Uh, what, what do you think he's gonna do, or, or 
might not do. You know, I was I keep on forgetting that uh Guchen Yewu is with Philadelphia. He's uh uh he spent a lot of time in Europe and uh I just keep on forgetting because he had a lot of injury issues at some point in his career and uh coming back to MLS is probably good for him to get back to a little bit uh slower uh slower pace. So uh, I think Maxi Rudy's gonna probably wreak havoc on him. Uh, that's just that's my opinion. Uh, Rudy is a workhorse for sure. I mean, we we talk about it all the time. Um, I'm not too sure if Coleman's gonna start or not. It depends if we do a two man front or uh, or a one striker setup. Um, you know, I think it'll probably be I think it'll probably be one striker. I think we'll go with our standard four two three one. I think we'll see Kalinikasa and Victor Yola. Uh, very similar to what we saw a lot in 2015. So I think we'll see uh, Maxi Rudy, uh, Roland Lamar, Michael Barrios, and uh, Mauro Diaz. And we'll see Coleman being sort of that impact sub that he's been. Well, I, I say that very loosely, impact sub. He <laughs> <laughs> just just started being, yeah. <laughs> right. And I think, it's, I think it's more so Pereja not wanting to uh, thrust Coleman back into the starting lineup. He had one good game. That doesn't necessarily discount the last four months of him playing poorly. So I think him, I think him gradually coming back into the starting eleven, uh, taking that, taking those expectations off and taking that pressure off his shoulders and allowing him to play freely, uh, is what Pereira is trying to do. So I think it's going to be the Maxi show up in Philly. All right, definitely looking forward to it. And I would have to say, I would be interested to see that kind of two-striker set right there. I think with the confidence, you know, there is some confidence with Coleman right now. So, I'm almost like, ride it. Ride the wave right now with him being coming off of a big game. Uh, not so much in the previous game with a 4 nothing loss. But I'm kind of curious to see what, what uh, type of formation that they they roll out but yeah we'll, it'll we'll be interesting. i think it really matters i think what's what the difference is going to be is how Perez is going to line up without carlos Carrezo. uh because he could he could line up in a few different ways uh we could see a little bit of a more attacking setup we could we could even see a 4-3-3 uh we could see a 4-2-3-1 we could see a 4-4-2 i'm just really not too sure because Carrezo has been that one player that just plays all the time so it's going to be weird not seeing him in the lineup and I feel like that he's going to be potentially playing a little bit more of a defensive lineup so that's why I'm thinking that Coleman might not be starting because you lose that midfield destroyer in Carlos Grezo yeah good good point good point so five things to look at right now going into this game number one the union is dreadful on has been dreadful on the road this year, uh, but they won six of the last seven at home. So we got to go into this game thinking about that. Also, dominance. Uh, Philly is never beating FC Dallas, so we got to mention that again. Hopefully, that doesn't come back to backfire on us. Um, we got the two suspensions, like we already talked about. Got Maxi with 11 goals, and then CJ Sapong, like you mentioned, got 10. And the last thing is we 
finally get to escape this heat for a little bit. I'm sure it's not going to be 102 in Philadelphia, so no. I don't have to worry about any water breaks. <laughs> so, <laughs> so hopefully that'll maybe work to our advantage. Um, but what are what are some things you think we need to focus on going into this game, or, or what's some things that you can you want to point out? Um, I think uh, bringing Figueroa and Grana back in is going to be huge. Um, we saw and we saw against Vancouver that Dallas really struggled out wide. Uh, you didn't see the kind of service that Barrios and Lamont normally gets uh, because. Honestly, I think one of the keys to Barrios' success with all this with all this assists was that he had Grana right next to him that pulled that pulled away some defenders, which allowed uh, Barrios to be a little bit more free. Um, and against Vancouver, you saw Barrios kept on running out of options. Uh, he kept on trying to move through the defenders, but he just ended up resorting to just trying to use his speed and bolting towards the end line and crossing it in as quick as he could. And that was, like, no matter how many times he tried, it just didn't work. So having, especially Grana on the right side, is going to be uh, pivotal for Dallas's attack. Yeah, uh, that, that is going to be key. And we've talked about Grana so much and what he's done and contributed to this team so far. So it's definitely going to be interesting to see how everything runs down and what Pereja decides to do. Um, there was a story going around. It's this was on Big D Soccer. Carlos Sanchez moved to FC Dallas could come in December. Uh, he's a Honduran defender that has been linked to the club. He's 26 years old. I know this. I believe this started a couple of months or a couple of weeks ago, if I'm not mistaken. But what's, what's your thoughts on us possibly getting him uh, to come on to FC Dallas, or is this just rumor? You know, this is a this is a very tough call because uh, there's been a lot of chatter from my understanding about uh, Chala not returning next season. Um, but Chala's back to full health. He's playing uh, with this team that he's currently on loan with, and played in the Copa Sudamerica, uh, which is very similar to the Europa League in Europe. So it's a second-tier tournament in South America. Uh, still a very big tournament, especially for a team for a team in Ecuador. I believe he's in Ecuador. I could be wrong on that. Um, but nevertheless, it's still, uh, it's still a big game. And Anibal Chala was immense against their opponents and, and drew the penalty to send them into the next round of the tournament and played, I, I believe he played two games in the span of three or four days and both both full 90 minutes. So with him being unable to play for six months due to injury and being able to jump back in and play two, two games in 90 minutes, that's pretty impressive that he's able to bounce back, bounce back the way he does and provide that sort of impact. So, I think Carlos Sanchez, in my opinion, would be almost like a backup plan in case if Chala does ha- have these continual injury problems and is unable to recover the way that he has been. Uh, we, also, we also need to keep in mind that Hernan Grana is only here on loan 
and Manor Figueroa is in his mid-30s. So it could be the fact that with uh, more money coming into the league, uh, especially with this especially with this Adidas deal that just got done uh, yesterday, uh, each team is getting another $5 million a year. I don't know if that's able to be put into players or if it's only allowed for infrastructure, but... Uh, more money is coming into the league, which means that more money is able to be spent on players' salaries. So it, it could be that we end up having both Anibal Chala and Carlos Sanchez next year. Uh, the only thing that I'm unsure of is which side Carlos Sanchez plays on, if he's a left back or a right back. That I cannot remember. But either way, it would it would bring some more... Uh, more impact onto the field. He would be a starting 11 player, in my opinion. He's a Honduran international, plays consistently for the Honduran team, and he's a very strong player. Uh, so if Dallas gets him, that'd be awesome. If not, Anibal Chalo is still a good option. Yeah. And we're talking about Chalo. Yes, he's with the Luga de Cueto which is in the Ecuadorian professional football uh, with the Ecuadorian league or club, excuse me. So, yeah, he is playing with them right now. Um, I would love to see him come back, but you always got to have a backup plan. And if he doesn't come back, then I could definitely see this working out with, uh, with Carlos uh, Sanchez. So, that's another... Rumor that's been going around. Also, the Walker Zimmerman thing uh, was going around. We talked about that on a previous show, so I'm assuming that's probably still kind of oh yeah, floated around out there. Thing. And I was just, I was just about to chime in saying that this upcoming off season is going to be probably one of the biggest off seasons in Dallas's history because uh, depending on depending on when Kellen goes, if uh, if Dallas loses both Callen and Walker Zimmerman, and I know that there's been chatter about Carlos Grezo potentially going back to Germany. Uh, there's been German clubs interested in Grezo as well. Uh, that's three very big players that Dallas could potentially lose within the next 12 months. So it, it's just a matter of how Dallas would replace these players. And yeah. I know that... Uh, that um, that Dallas brought in a new head of scouting, former FC Dallas player Ugo Ihemelu. Uh I believe that he will be spending a lot of time scouting uh, in South America like Dallas always does, but bringing in a former Dallas player to head the scouting network, uh, it, it shows it shows intense that, that Clavijo wants to bring in one of their own and really really bring in players that can really that can play the Dallas way and can uh, be those be those kind of impact players because I mean I'm sure that you've noticed quickly from the last year year and a half that you followed FC Dallas uh, Dallas is very hit and miss with their with their transfers coming from uh, Central and South America uh, we talked about Jetterson quite a bit last season and him just being a total bust. Sermanio, unfortunately, has been a bust because he hasn't been able to break into the team. Aubrey David was a bust. Um, but then again, you have players like Mauro Diaz, who was a hit. Coleman, he's 
still to be to be determined. Uh, Grana has been a hit. Uh, I think Clavijo is one to bring in someone who can bring a little bit more consistency with transfers. So bringing him in now in the summer is going to do a whole lot for Dallas come December and January. Yeah, it's um, it's going to be one of those stressful summers, I think. I think it's going to be a time where uh, Clavico is probably Clavico is probably going to be scratching his head. He may lose some more hair because if it <laughs> ends up <laughs> if it ends up coming down to what we think, it's going to be one of those kind of a scrambling of, of an off season uh, that I think you never want to see your team in, especially with the run that this team has been on. But in my eyes, if this season ends in winning an MLS Cup. I would be I would be more okay with players leaving because then we've already won the cup so now we can if we got to rebuild or regroup or I kind of trust what what this team is able to do with, with the you know with Fernando so I think it's gonna be interesting to see but it'll make it it'll make it less painful I guess I can say if we win the MLS Cup. Yeah, I have a feeling that Fernando would do a better job at rebuilding uh, an MLS Cup champion than what Mark Cuban did with his attempt to rebuild a team after 2011. Right. Oh, my God. Let's let's not even get into that because they're still rebuilding. Yeah. It's been a long process, (laughs) for sure. All right, Um, so before we go, I wanted to talk about MLS All-Stars end up losing... To uh, Real Madrid, but it was it was a fun game. I mean, it was four two. Ended up losing on penalties. Uh, Dom Dwyer with a goal. Um, good to see our guys there. Uh, but it was it was definitely something that I think more people watched that are not MLS fans, and maybe they were able to see something that'll help them follow follow their local team. I think that was the idea. Of this of this All Star game, like we were talking about. So, what was your thoughts on it, though? I hope so. I actually didn't catch the game, but I got to see some of the highlights. Uh, but yeah, good to see Dwyer uh, get the goal. Uh, I'm glad that Grana, Callan, and Matt Hedges got to play against some of the world's best uh, in Real Madrid. Uh, I mean, we've talked about it before. I'm very anti All Star game because I think it's a total farce. Uh, just in general, I, that, not just in soccer, but just across the board, all star games are a total joke. And why they why they merit that as a level of success is beyond me. Uh, it's it's completely ridiculous, and I don't want to go down that rabbit trail again. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, really, I think the biggest takeaway is that. Uh, that our guys got to play against some of the world's best players, and that's that's something that they'll remember forever. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That experience being selected, yeah, I think they'll never forget that. All right, so at a little bit longer show than normal, we had a lot to talk about. Uh, once again, it's his FCD talk. We are on All In Sports Talk Network. Make sure you go download the app, All In Sports Talk. Also, make sure 
that you check out the other shows on All In Sports Talk. We've got a TFC Talk. Also got a, a bunch of variety of shows. Also, it's on SoundCloud, All In Sports Talk. And we appreciate everybody for tuning in, everybody for following us, everybody for rocking with us. We'll definitely be back and better than ever next week. So, I am Ben. This is Preston. Y'all have a good one. Have a good one.